All right, take your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter number 10. 2 Corinthians chapter number 10. And uh, I, 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 um, I feel like a little bit like a liberal tonight because I, um, I didn't have time before church to go home and change. And I was wearing casual shoes all day. So I didn't have white-soled shoes, and I didn't have time to go home and put on dress shoes and change into a suit. And so, so I'm in casual shoes tonight, these white-soled, and I just, I just, I don't know, I just, I feel evangelically like or something. Um, but anyway, I'll have cowboy boots something Sunday. But it's not a fad. It's not, it's not a style change for me. It's not... You know, it's not a, it, no, it's just, I didn't have time to go home. And so, but anyway, we'll, we'll see if I'm able to, I may take them off. I may see how that works. But it just, it's bothering me is what it's doing. Well, that might would help. That might, I, I don't know. So, um, I, I'm just not much into changing fashions and styles and what have you. In two weeks, um, in two weeks, we're going to start a new series in here on Wednesday night, and um, through the book of Revelation, but there's a lot of prophecy that is not in Revelation, all right? 19 chapters, almost 19 chapters of Revelation is found in the Old Testament, and then there's just a few chapters, really 21 and 22, that's not covered in the Old Testament. But there is so much Old Testament that's not in Revelation. Millennial Temple, Ezekiel 40 through 48, Times of the Gentiles, the visions that Daniel has. And, and what I'm trying to wrap my mind around, and I will have it by two weeks when we start this, is I want to go through prophecy using Revelation as a base, as a base, but allowing ourselves, when we come to some places, allowing ourselves to go to the Old Testament, some of those passages, and bring them in, and do more of a chronological sequence of prophecy. Revelation is the base, but at times, knowing that we're going to go outside of Revelation, spend a little bit of time in Daniel, Ezekiel, some of the minor prophets, and tie some of those together. You pray the Lord help me. I've been working on that, and we'll, we'll do that. We'll start that in two weeks from now. And so tonight, tonight, and that's going to be that's going to be a, that's going to be Bible study. That's going to be a little at times it'll be a little bit heavy, and 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 it, we will have to think is what we will have to do. Tonight, I want to talk to you about thinking, but it requires no thinking. All right, there's nothing heavy about this tonight at all. And we'll start at Second Corinthians ten and verse five, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. In April of 2006, I preached a little short series here on mastering your life. And it was a little topical series that dealt with, with valuing life and being stewards of our life and taking charge of our lives and, and those kind of things. And I preached five messages, mastering our time, mastering our treasures, Mastering our temperament, our spirit, mastering our temptations, and then mastering our 
thoughts. And that's what I want to deal with tonight, mastering our thoughts. When we think of stewardship, we always think of money uh, right off the bat. But stewardship is more than how you manage your money. That It's included, but, but that's not the only thing it is. Stewardship is managing somebody else's resources, whether it is money or property or whatever the case may be. A good steward is simply who recognizes that he's not the owner. He's just the manager of something that somebody has entrusted to him. And this life that we have, is, it's a wonderful gift from God. We've been given an, an allotted number of years. We don't know how many that is. We have a handful of gifts and abilities. We have hundreds of opportunities in a lifetime to do something for God and do something for eternity. And none of us want to waste that life. But I think that a lot of life is wasted. Whether it is wasted on selfish pursuits or whether it is wasted in laziness or procrastination or misguided priorities. And I spent a, too much time pursuing that or whatever it might be. And I don't know how much longer I have left on this life, but I want to use it wisely. I want, to, I want to do something for the Lord and do something that impacts my generation and then for eternity. And I think it would be a real shame to sit around wasting my life waiting for something to happen. It would be a shame to, to waste my life and never have any consistency in my walk with God. To, to battle the same temptations for 20 years and never get any victory over any sin. Uh, to live my entire life and to look back with tearful regret what, what could have been. And, 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 and if I don't want that to be a story of my life, then I have to take ownership. I have to take management of my life. And, 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 and time and treasure, all of those is a good start. And there's a whole lot of other areas and tonight I just want to talk to you plainly about mastering your thought life because to master your life, you have to master your thoughts. If you lose the battle for your mind, then you have lost the greatest battle of your life. We have people sitting in our churches all over the country, say people, that have every issue that is known to man, whether that is depression or discouragement or lust or anger or jealousy or pride or insecurities or whatever that might be. I spoke to a pastor yesterday. He had called me asking how to handle a, a particular situation. And I'm not the guy to call because you don't want to handle it the way that I would handle it. But he's asking, and he has a man in his church who says that he has gender dysphoria. Basically, he has sat and this has been ongoing for several years where he feels like that he should be a woman. This is a married man with children. I, I, I think we can take the air down. I think everybody's getting cold. I see everybody putting their coats on. Um, he, he's sitting in a Baptist church, married man with children, and, and the pastor's been dealing with this for about a year and a half with him. And, and so my answer would be that today would be the last day that I deal with this. This man is not confused. This man is rebellious. And, and, and he's not obeying scripture. He's not submitted to Christ, if he is even saved. And, 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 and so he's living in this, this fantasy world. But, but we are dealing with so many 
issues, and, and all of these issues begin in the mind. Nervous breakdowns are a real thing, and they begin in the mind. Illicit affairs happen in a church, and that begins in a lustful, perverse mind. Murder, murder first takes place in the anger and the hatred of, of a mind. And, 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 and a rebellious teenager first becomes rebellious in his mind, in his mind. And 2 Corinthians 10, 5 states the objective, and that is bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. If you and I could succeed in that one verse, then we have, we have won the battle because life consists of what you think about all day long. You are today where your thoughts brought you. You will be tomorrow where your thoughts take you. And if you're able to control your thoughts, then you control, control your feelings. If you control your feelings, you'll control your actions. If you control your actions, then you change your life. So you cannot overstate the power of a thought life. Your thoughts are the most powerful influence over you. And when Satan gets a foot in the door, it is through the mind. Now, he uses all kinds of different mediums, and we may mention some of them, but it's your thought life. It's your thought life that he wants to dominate the most. There was a philosopher in the 19th century named James Allen. He wrote a little book, As a Man Thinketh, and you can download a copy off of, off of the Internet. And, and in that little book, he said, Good thoughts and actions can never produce bad results. Bad thoughts and actions can never produce good results. Basically, what he's saying is that corn produces corn, and that's the only thing that it can produce. Jesus would say that a good tree cannot bring forth corrupt fruit, and a corrupt tree cannot bring forth good fruit. So to master our life, we have to master our mind. But here is the second statement I, I would just say, say by introduction, that to master your mind, you must control what goes into your mind. I, I, think, I think that's the key. That's the key to mastering your thoughts. It doesn't matter if your problem is worry or fear or negativism or lust or whatever it might be. What you put into your mind is what you think about. So the teenager that listens to pop music, um, I was about to say Britney Spears, but she don't sing anymore. Um, Taylor Swift, I think that's, that's the name. So, so the person that listens to that kind of music, you will be worldly-minded because that's what you... Now, the reason why you listen to that music is because you want to, okay? But that's what you put into your mind. I told a pastor yesterday, I said, there are some people that you cannot pastor, so quit trying. You just can't. They don't want you to pastor them, so quit trying because he's beating his brains out because he has carnal people in his church. I said, call me back in 20 years. You'll still have carnal people in your church. That's just, it's just going to be. What you put, I don't know how I got off on that, but you, you have to control what goes on in your mind because changing your mind is not automatic. You're not going to walk out of here and say, boy, I really need to get a hold of my mind 
and, 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 and I'm gonna come down and say a 30 second prayer at the altar and it is all fixed. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't happen that way, that there, there is a process. And the process involves a negative and a positive. The negative is, is that there are some things I do not allow into my mind. That's what Paul says when he says, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. The world that we live in, you cannot help but be bombarded by the media of a godless culture but you don't have to dwell, dwell on, on that. I was in a store today, an auto parts store today, and they were playing rock and roll music in the background, and it was kind of loud. Now, thankfully, I've never listened to rock and roll music. I didn't know who was singing. I didn't know the song. And you can't understand the words anyway. It, it's just blah, 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 whatever it is. And, and, but but if, if, if I feed that into my mind, it's going to breed remain. So, so I'm not, I'm not, now, now the positive side, the positive side is that you have to, you have to allow certain things into your mind. Right. It, it's the principle of replacement, all right? You can't just have a blank mind. Right. Your mind's always thinking. So, so I would start with the Bible. Yep. A daily diet of the word of God will do more to get your thoughts under control than anything else that you can do. I, I would then I wouldn't listen to godly music. Music is very powerful over our soul. So feed your soul good music. And then I would develop the habit of reading good books. So I don't like to read, but learn to read. Graduate from novels and, 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 and something that will edify you, something that will build you up. So you gotta control what goes into your mind. Look over here at Philippians 4 for a minute. And you know this verse well, but, but Philippians chapter four and, and, and really verse eight, but the verses before Paul is giving a list of admonitions. In verse one, he talks about stand fast in the Lord, that stability, steadfastness. Verse two, be of the same mind, that's unity. Uh, verse four, rejoice evermore, have joy. Verse five, let your moderation be known, that's temperance. Verse six, be careful for nothing, that's security. Of verse seven, you have the peace of God, and, and you can only do those things if you have the proper thought life. You can't obey those injunctions without the mind. So verse eight ties it together. This is what you need to think about, finding the brethren. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, Whatsoever things aren't just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Now, now, now so, so here, here's what I would say. It is important, first of all, that you think. That you think. Because there's a lot of people running through life, and it seems like, they're not putting any thought into it. So think, think deeply, young people especially. Young people, think about the consequences of your actions and think about the habits that you're forming and the life that you're building and, 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 and think, think. To, to me, that's, that's why to me, I don't understand how a thinking person can be a liberal. 
I'm not saying that they're smart people, but you have to deny plain thinking to believe in global warming, animal rights, gender dysphoria, all of that. You, you got to suspend thinking in order to do that. Do you realize that you can't get saved without some serious thinking about it? Christianity is a thinking man's religion. I don't ask you to check your mind at the door and, and just, no. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Think about this. Let's have a dialogue. Let me tell you all the reasons why you ought to trust Christ. Now, that doesn't mean that you trust Christ by logic. Faith, faith is, is the principle by which we trust Christ. But, but faith is not the absence of knowledge. Faith is the belief of Bible knowledge. And the man who will not trust Christ has closed his mind to the truth and he refuses to think about it. It is important to think. That's why most religions are built on rituals. Catholicism, Buddhism, it's just a bunch of rituals. They do not emphasize teaching the Bible in a Catholic church. They emphasize going through a bunch of rituals and you don't even have to think about it. But Christianity is not built on rituals. Christianity is built upon a book, a book of truth. So when we come to church, we come, when we study the Revelation in a couple of weeks, we are going to have to think about that. We're going to have to put our minds to work because worship doesn't consist of just doing the same thing over and over and over. No, we open up a book and we study it and we dig into it and we think about it and we value revelation over experience because what we know is more important than what we feel. I'll say it again. What we know is more important than what we feel. In fact, one of the ways that we know that evolution is a lie is because we have the gift of logic that animals don't have. And the Bible talks about be not as the, um, be not as, as the horse or, or as the beast. Um, that's probably the NIV version. Uh, which, which have no understanding. That's the, which has it's 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 in the Psalms, Psalms or Proverbs. Which have no understanding. An animal has no understanding. They have instinct, but they don't have logic. So so a brute beast will hurt you, and not comprehend that that he has hurt you. The power to think as we do is a great gift from God. We can reason. We can weigh things out, we can lodge it, we can challenge our feelings, and that is a great gift. So it's important that, that, that we think, that we think. And, and our culture, our culture doesn't have deep thinkers anymore because we value feelings more than we do thinking. It used to be, it used to be that people would ask, is this right? Is this true? Is this proper? But now the question is, does it work? Um, how will this make me feel? What am I going to get out of this? We've become, pragmatists is what we've become. And do you know how you know that God wants you to think? It's because he gave you a book, is what he gave you. 
Not a movie, not a music video, not a game. He gave us a book. And, and nothing in the background, no background music, no distractions, just paper with words on paper to read and to understand and to reason and to think about. The stimulus is truth, not my emotions, not my feelings. It is just words to make you think. When we come to church, we come to think. We are not in the entertainment business. There's other places you can go to be entertained. We come to think, to think. So, so it's important, it's important to think, but then it is important to think rightly. Paul gives us eight virtues in Philippians 4 and verse 8 that ought to govern our thought life. And it's not an exhaustive list, but it's representative of good thought. It's virtues, it's virtues. But the world, the world promotes vices is what they do. But we are to think about virtuous things, virtuous things. The news media in America is not news, right? It is propaganda. You, you are aware of that, right? Well, I'll tell you another one. Hollywood is not entertainment. Hollywood is propaganda as well. They just try to get you to laugh while they, are, they have an agenda. There is something that they are pushing. And everything, everything on Hollywood, it is untrue, it is unholy, it is impure, it is of ill repute, it is violent, it is sensuous, it is blasphemous. And what kind of mind do you think you're going to have with a daily diet of the propaganda of this world. Because as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Your thoughts are the real you. You can fool other people, but you're not gonna fool yourself because your mind either accuses or excuses you. Look, look at Romans chapter one here. Romans chapter, I, I just thought of this passage. So look at Romans one here and, and um, Verse 18 really describes modern culture. Uh, Proverbs, Romans 1, verse 21. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Verse number 28, even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. It is a profound philosophy that a man becomes what he thinks about, that our character takes on the complexion of our thinking. They refuse to retain God in their minds and they became filled with every evil lust. If you're always filling your mind with unholy, impure, untrue thoughts, you will become unholy, impure, and an untrue person. If a, if a man cherishes noble thoughts, he cannot help but becoming noble. If he cherishes generous thoughts, he cannot help but become generous. So what I'm saying to you tonight, as simple as I can, that if you would master your life, you must master your thought life. Do you agree with that? You must. Now, 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 with that, with that little 
little, little dialogue there. So, so let me tell you four or five things about mastering your thought life, all right? This is very topical. I don't preach many topical messages, so record it because, because here, here's one. In, in your thought life, in your thought life, develop the habit of powerful thinking. This is especially for the young people. Have big thoughts. Have big dreams. You have to think anyway. So you might as well think big. I mean, you may never achieve all of your dreams, but having the dream won't hurt you. The thing that will hold you back is small thoughts because you never rise higher than your thoughts. A small life is made up of small thoughts. Someone said that the value of life lies not in the length of days, but in the use we make of them. A man may, may live long, yet live very little. You can live your life any way that you want to live it, but you only get to live it one time. So think big. Have impossible prayers. Have impossible dreams. Expand your horizon. The world's greatest example of big thinking was the pilgrims when they came over to America. They had the vision. They risked their lives to come to this continent and build a new country. In the first year that they came, they established a town. In the second year that they were here, they elected a town council. In the third year, they, elect, they, they proposed, that town council proposed to build a road five miles westward and they voted it down because there's no use to go five mile westward expansion. They could see to come across the ocean, but they couldn't see to go five miles west. Develop powerful thinking. Think big. And then secondly, develop the habit of planned thinking. Planned thinking is the bridge that links where you are to where you want to be. So I would just say it like this. Don't live your life by accident. Live it on purpose. Most people spend time planning their vacation more than they do planning their life. I believe that every day ought to be lived on purpose. It's like they asked the executive of the company what was his company's goals. And he said, well, we have a short-range plan and a long-range plan. He said, our short-range plan is to stay afloat long enough to get to our long-range plan. <laughs> That's about the extent of some people's thinkings, all right? Now, now I, I am not, I, I'm not the expert on this, all right? I am a list person. You have to do what works for you. I have a list, I have a list and, and, and on my computer and it is, called, it is called Master List. Very clever, very clever, all right? Master List, all right? I have a document called, uh, that has all of my passwords and I have named it Passwords, Passwords. I, nobody would ever think to open that document up. I'm, I'm very, I'm very, I'm, I'm very brainy when it comes to things like that. So on my master list, I have broken it down into all kinds of categories. It is everything that I hope to accomplish before I die. Everything. And to be honest with you, 
I doubt I'll ever do half of those things. But I know I won't do them if I don't ever dream of it. Now, right now, it's, it's just on a list. It's not a plan. It's just on a list, all right? Until you put a date to it, it's not going to happen. I understand that. I can't do it all of it right now, all right? But, 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 but I, I want to live on purpose. Some, some of y'all have made fun of me at this, but I think it's an excellent idea. Even when you go on vacation, you ought to have a plan, all right? The plan tomorrow might be that we are going to lay by the pool all day. That's fine, but plan to do that. Don't do that by accident, all right? Get up. I, I'm, I'm going to get up at 9 o'clock, and I'm going to let the pool at 10, all right? Have a plan. That make, does that make perfect sense to you, Brother Jason? Of course it does, all right? But, but, but have, have a plan. Unsuccessful people focus their thinking on survival. Average people, they focus on maintenance. Successful people think about progress. So, so, so have the habit of plan thinking. And then thirdly, develop the habit of possibility thinking. Now, I don't espouse the charismatic doctrine that your words can create your future. These charlatans are telling people that if you think wealth that you can just command it and, and you can just, just bring it in. I'm going to tell you that's a bunch of rubbish and here's how I know. I've tried it. Okay? I've tried it. I've tried it. You know, the whole manifestation get up and, and declare, I am a millionaire and I am this and I am that. That don't work. That don't work. All right? So don't waste your time on that. All right? But, 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 but possibility thinking is simply thinking of what you could be instead of what you are not. It's thinking of what you could do instead of lamenting what you can't do. Thinking of I can, I will, instead of all of my waking thoughts being on what I should have done, I can't do. I, look, look, if you believe that you can do something, you have already won half the battle. Some people's default their, their default, they don't have to think about it. Their, their default is to tell you why we can't do it and it's going to cost a lot of money and we don't have any time. I already know that. Okay? Already know that. What I want to know is how can we do it. I already know it's hard. I already know we don't have the money. I already know it's never been done. I already know that, but tell me how we can do it anyway. Some people are always looking for the problem instead of the solution. And you better get away from those people because you're going to be stuck in the same rut that they are. Huh? So, 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 the, so the, the habit of possibility thinking, possibility thinking. And then, then here's the fourth one, develop the habit of positive thinking. Now, Norman Vincent Peale wrote the book, The Power of Positive Thinking. I don't recommend the book and I don't recommend the author, all right? So I'm not talking about the power of positive thinking but if I, I wish that I had a dollar for every time I've heard positive thinking lampooned from the pulpit. I'm not talking about Norman Vincent Peale, but what is the opposite of positive thinking? It would be negative thinking. I don't recommend that. I believe that positive thinking will get you farther than negative thinking. I, I, I believe that it will. My wife says that I am a negative person. Now, I'm not. I am a realist is what I am. 
All right? That's what I am. So, so somebody says, do you see the glass half empty or the glass half full? Well, it depends. Is it half empty or is it half full? It just depends, all right? I see it as it is. I, I just, I just, so I am a, I am right down the middle. I am well balanced in that, all right? I, 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 I do have my fair share of depression at times. If I battled anything in my mind, it would be discouragement. Uh, usually it, it really comes on about, oh, about eight o'clock Sunday night. And, and usually about, you know, Monday evening, it, it kind of has gone away. But, but that's kind of, you know, so, but for that reason, I can't be around negative people. Now, I'm open to constructive criticism, okay? But I can get depressed by myself all by my, I don't need no help with that, all right? I can depress my own self. When you are down and you are discouraged, you're stuck. Yeah. You, you are not going anywhere. So I would rather just dream of what I can do instead of you telling me what I can't do. Yeah. Yeah. So develop the habit of positive thinking. And then develop the habit of pure thinking. That's Philippians 4.8. Philippians 4.8, the, the mind filled of whatsoever things are true. The whole world turns on lies. It's built on lies. If, if, if you were not able to lie anymore, the whole world would collapse. It would. If you go to buy a used car, he's going to lie to you about that car. He just is. He's going to tell you how great that car is and ain't got no problems, ain't got no rust, ain't got nothing, okay? That's what, and, then, and then most people are going to lie to the salesman because they go in there and they're trying to pretend like they can afford more than they can afford while at the same time trying to, it, it's, just, it's just two lies is all it is. Political correctness is a lie. Putting a positive spin on things is a lie. The admonition is fill your mind with things that are true, things that are true. And then whatsoever things are honest, honest, things that are true, things that are honest. You ever have a serious thought? You ever have a noble thought? Or whatsoever things are just, fair. There are some people that in their mind, in their mind, they're always trying to figure out how they can get away with something. Cheat you out of a dollar. Get somebody to check in or clock in or clock out from me. How can I excuse myself from some obligation without making myself look too bad? So whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, pure. One of the hardest things in the world for a young man, especially a young man, in this X-rated society is to get through it with a pure mind. You are exposed to more filth than any generation before, and all you got to do is push a button. Huh? Pure things. Whatsoever things are lovely, attractive, beautiful, becoming. Whatsoever things are of good report. Good report. Some people are always looking for the latest gossip. That's why they're on Facebook. Looking for gossip. Huh? Good report. Good report. Fox News, CNN will, have no, will not have a good report tonight. They will not. If there be any virtue, moral excellence, if there be any praise, any praise. Every husband in here can think of something to gripe about with your wife. And if you think hard enough, you can think about something to praise her for. And I can tell you what we're going to do. Huh? Now don't say amen. You don't have to. Huh? If there be any praise, if there be praise, if there be any good report, think on these things. Think on these things. 
if you master your life, you have to master your thoughts. And changing your thinking is not automatic. It is something you have to work at. It's a battle that you have to fight, but you ought to win that battle. It'll be the greatest investment that you make in your life. Now, real quickly, how, how do you do this? Because maybe there's a young person who says, hey, I need to get a hold of my mind. And the things that I'm allowing, my, the places I'm allowing my mind to go every day, I, I've got to bring that into captivity. Bring it into captivity. And there may be some lady here that, that all day long it's worrying, it's complaining, it's fretting, and it's this. And, and everything in your mind does not find a place in Philippians 4 and verse 8. So here's what I would say to you. Number one, engage in the battle. Recognize, recognize that the thought life that does not conform to Scripture is a sinful thing. Make a determination, I'm not going to live like this for the rest of my life. There's a lot of Christians that are losing the battle because they quit fighting. Paul describes the struggle for the, the flesh in Romans chapter 7. He was a seasoned Christian in Romans 7. And he was still fighting the battle. There's a battle in the flesh and you have to pick up the sword every day and determine I'm not just going to lay down and die to the flesh. And there's a lot of people that have just resigned themselves to poor Christianity. Engage in the battle. Analyze your input. In the field of computers, there is a term, garbage in, garbage out. Garbage in, garbage out. You cannot, you cannot feed your mind garbage and expect to have pure thoughts. It's not going to happen. So what are you watching? And what are you listening to? And who are your friends? Who are you talking to? And people bow up when you start talking in personal, and, and, and I, that's all that I'm dealing with. But here's what we want to do. We want to pray a little 30-second prayer, and Jesus fix everything. There's no quick fix. There's no easy solution. There's no quick prayer, but garbage in, garbage out. Saturate your mind with Scripture. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Kent Hughes said, you cannot be profoundly influenced by that which you do not know. And if you don't know the scripture, it's not going to have an effect on you. Uh, how do you get air out of a bottle? Fill it with water. How do you get the trash out of your mind? Fill it with scripture. I sat right out there in that parking lot, talked to a man that had anger issues, had bad anger issues, and I said, here's what you need to do. You need to find 50 verses on anger, and you need to memorize those 50 verses. And when that anger rises up, you need to start quoting those verses. I've told many young men, you have a battle with lust, you need to find 50 verses on purity and holiness and a pure mind, you need to memorize them. And when, that, when the devil raises that up, you let that bathe your mind. You let it cleanse you. You let it affect you. Saturate your mind with Scripture. Several years ago, there was a woman in Chicago. She just walked the streets. They, knew, they called her Garbage Mary because she would walk the streets in the alleys of Chicago and she would dig through garbage bins is what she would do. And it comes to the piano. And one day she died. And the officials went to her house and her apartment was filled with mounds of garbage. It was absolutely disgusting. 
there were rooms that were so full of trash and garbage that you couldn't open the doors. But as they were investigated, they then discovered something else in her apartment were stacks and stacks of stock certificates and bank records and come to find out she was the daughter of a very wealthy lawyer in town. She was a multi, multi, multi millionaire. And she could have lived in wealth and comfort and luxury, but instead she chose to live in garbage. And you and I have a holy God. We have a holy Bible. We have a holy calling. We have the Holy Spirit. And you and I can live every day in holiness and righteousness, but so many times we choose to live in the trash of the world. And the battle begins in your mind, in your mind.